And she, she texted me back like five minutes later and she's like, Stephanie, I've been sitting here staring at his face for five minutes and he is absolutely your father. There is no way that he looked, you look just like him. Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. I am your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. And welcome to episode 97. I am just a few weeks away from my 100th episode, and I'm just truly grateful for everyone that has come on the show and shared their story. Some have been beautiful. Some have been heartbreaking. We all are just at a different place in our NPE journey. And so I'm really grateful for everyone that's come on. And I'm going to have something a little different here for episode 100. We will see how it goes. The wait list is getting long again. You are still welcome to email me. I slowly go through each individual email and I get back in touch with everyone. You do not need to write me your whole story. I do not vet out who comes on the show and who doesn't. It's literally in the order of emails received. You do not need to be a professional speaker. You do not need to be an author of any sort. Really, the only requirement is that you are an NPE and you have experience some sort of misattributed parentage in your life and and you want to share wherever you are today. This also includes LDAs, which are late discovery adoptees, people that have found out late in life they are adopted. Also DCIs or DCPs, an acronym that we use for donor-conceived individual or donor-conceived person, where it wasn't told to them as a child that they were donor-conceived, and they had the shock of finding that out late in life. Very traumatizing. And lastly, NPEs. The acronym also is MPE, and this can go by not parent-expected, non-paternal event, misattributed parentage. Sometimes you have found out through a DNA test or maybe an admission later in life as an adultie that the traumatizing, life-changing news that who you thought were your parents or parent actually wasn't. And that's what we talk about here on this show. So right now we are going to get into um, someone's story today, an NPE story today. And I am happy to welcome Steph, Steph P. Hi, Steph. Hi, Lily. You, you go by Steph, correct? Not Yeah, Stephanie? Steph or Stephanie, either one's fine. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. I really appreciate it. Oh, you know, I'm happy to be here. And thank you so much for producing this podcast and putting all this effort in because it's really, really helped me um, as I've sort of tried to untangle um, my NPE situation. I think I've listened to every single episode. So thank you so much for that. Mm, mm, you're welcome. Good. I'm glad. It it does take a little, a few hours. And so it's it's always nice to hear that. I appreciate it. 
Oh, and also I was just going to thank everybody who's come before me and shared their stories because um, even though all of our stories are a little different, the circumstances are different. Uh, hearing them has really helped a lot. And so thank you to everybody else who's who shared. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, I feel that same way. That's so nice to say. Okay, Steph, I, although I initially kind of read your email, I try not to. I like to kind of go in with a blank slate so I can just like authentically listen. So I don't really remember your story today. So why don't you start at the beginning and take it from there and kind of start with what your original family was like? Sure. So I found out I was an NPE on December 24th, 2020. So it was like kind of an interesting zinger at the end of a year that had kind of been sort of a shit show for everybody on the planet, um, myself included. So it was in a way um, sort of funny. It wasn't funny, but it was just sort of funny that at, you know, at that point at the end of the year, I've made this discovery. Um, So it's been maybe 10 months since I have known that I'm an NPE. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm sorry. Starting on New Year's or I'm sorry, Christmas Eve. And then Oh, COVID and oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, actually COVID had something to do with me figuring this out. And I'll get into that later when I tell how I discovered it, part of my story. But, um, you know, because I was homebound and and working on my family tree and ancestry, uh, you know, that's how I decided to take the test and everything. So in a way, COVID is is partially responsible (laughs) for Mm -hmm. me having the time uh, and getting into this and figuring it out. So my my family background, so I'm, well, I'm 51 years old now. I was 50 when I made this discovery. And um, so I was born in January of 1970. And my mom was 20 years old when she had me and 19 when she became pregnant. And my dad was 26. And they were married. Um, and I was their first and only child. Um. My dad was, he'd already finished college and he had a good job as an engineer and he was um, on the verge of going to law school. So he was on a very sharp upwards trajectory. And my mom, um, even though she was only 20, she was in college as well and her parents lived close by. So they kept me a lot when I was a baby and a toddler. And so my mom was also able to finish school and go on and have a good career. So um, I was really born into a really good situation. Um, My parents had gotten married about five months before I was born. They got married in August of 1969. And I remember when I was like maybe eight or nine years old, Ask you know when I was old enough to know that it takes like nine months to bake a baby. Basically, (laughs) I remember asking my mom, like, "Did you guys get married just because of me?" Uh, and she said, Oh no, no, honey, we were totally in love and, uh, we were getting, get married anyway. It's just that you came along a little sooner than anticipated. And we decided to get, you know, we just had to accelerate everything. And that was like a perfectly acceptable, uh, answer to me. Right. It was a great answer. And because my parents were very much in love. I mean, I had a wonderful childhood. I was cherished and loved by both of my parents, both sets of grandparents, uh, we really had no no drama or anything in my family. Um, so I was very fortunate in that way. Um, 
However, <laughs> dot, 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 uh, when I was in high school, their marriage did start to deteriorate. And my, I think I was 17, my junior year of high school, my dad left. He left my mom. And that was really hard. She was really heartbroken and um, I think kind of blindsided by the whole thing. And uh, they ended up having a pretty contentious divorce. It took a few years for their divorce to become final. But, you know, it, like a lot of divorces, it sort of devolved into a big fight about money. <laughs> um, and then when I was uh, at this point, you know, by the time their divorce was final, I was off at college myself. And um, my dad got remarried. My dad, when I say dad, I mean birth certificate father. Uh, he got remarried when I was like 20, 21 years old and started a new family. So I have, I was an only child, but I have two half sisters who are 22 and 24 years younger than me. So I'm more like an auntie to them than I am a sister because we didn't really grow up living. We didn't never live together. We have different moms and I'm so much older than them. Mm-hmm. Um, so my my dad, my birth certificate father, he and I had a good relationship when I was a child, but I wouldn't say I was like a daddy's girl, right? He was really focused on his career. And so I didn't spend a ton of time with him, but he, he was a good dad. Like he, he sort of checked all the boxes, right? Like he taught me how to ride a bike and, you know, helped me with my homework and showed up at the dance recitals and the school plays. And, um, you know, so so I had a good relationship with him up until about this point when he and my mom got divorced. I was definitely on her side, if you will. Um, so throughout my adult life, I've had a sort of a cordial, but I'd say distant relationship with my my dad, my birth certificate father. I still see him a couple times a year. We send birthday cards and Father's Day cards and things like that. But I would say I'm terribly close to him. Mm-hmm. Um uh, so, so that's kind of my family uh, composition. And my mom actually, after they got divorced, she ended up getting remarried about 10 years later. And so she's happily remarried and has been for over 20 years. So things worked out really for the best, I think, for both of them in the end. Like they both ended up married to other people who are a better fit for them than they would have been for themselves. So, so it all kind of worked out. But I, you know, I was an only child. So I think. One of the differences between me and a lot of the other NPEs who share their stories is I had no idea. I never felt different or other. Like a lot of NPEs talk about how either they didn't look like their siblings or either one of their parents, or they just were, were different. Like their personalities were very different or their interests, or they just never really felt like they fit in. But I never had that feeling ever because I was an only and I didn't have anybody to compare myself to. And I don't think anybody else in my family knew. So my birth certificate father and his parents and that side of my family, I don't think, I never felt like they treated me differently. Mm, Yeah, I guess being an only child, you don't have, you can't really make those comparisons. I get it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I don't think I was treated any different than my cousins by my grandparents, you know, or anything like that. So. Um. So yeah, I, I really honestly had no idea. I look a lot like my mom and her side of the family. Not exactly. I definitely have some features that are not like hers, but um, I look so much like her side of the family that I just sort of 
I just sort of thought that's the way the DNA cookie crumbled, you know, right? Mm -hmm. Like we all know people who strongly favor one parent over the other. Um, And, uh, you know, obviously I don't look anything like my birth father, but I just thought that was the way it it worked out for me. Mm -hmm. So, um, so uh, flash forward to 2017. In 2017, I took a 23andMe test. Just, I had had like two or three friends take the 23andMe DNA test and be like, oh my God, this is so cool. And you get to see your ancestry and all these traits. And this is so neat. And I remember being out out to coffee with a friend and she actually brought out her her mobile phone and showed me the 23andMe app. And she was like showing me her results. So I was like, oh, that's neat. I'm going to do that. So I took the 23andMe test. So this was like four years ago. And um, I got my results back and the little pie chart of my ancestry was pretty much what I expected it to be. And uh, I mean, I had like, I was like classified as like 30% broadly Northern European. So it was, but the rest of it was um, tied to specific countries. And that made sense. It was what I expected. Uh, And I glanced at my DNA matches, but I didn't see anything weird right? Like I, I, the closest match I think I had was like a second cousin and I, I recognized all of their names. So, um, I didn't, I wasn't looking for anything. I didn't dig any deeper than just sort of glancing at the top five or six matches. Right. And they all made sense to me. So I didn't think anything of it. And then over the last three or four years, every once in a while, I I'll get an email from 23 and me saying, Hey, you've got new DNA relatives. And sometimes I'll click through and check them out. And, um, it's usually like third cousins, fourth cousins and people who I wouldn't know who they are anyway. Right. So there was really no, um, no indication there at all that, that I was about to uncover like a, a crazy family secret. So, uh, flash forward now to 2020 and because of COVID, you know, I've got more downtime, right. We're pretty much trapped at home. My, I have two children. My son is 12 and uh, my daughter is 10 and my son's in sixth grade. So he's starting to learn American history, like, you know, colonies and revolutionary war and all that stuff. And um, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm curious about my own genealogy because I only know maybe a generation or two above me. And I thought it would be really cool to join Ancestry and map out our family tree and show my kids. So it would make learning American history a little more meaningful if they knew how many generation American we are or the names of our early ancestors who first came here and how they, where did they come in? Did they come in, you know, through Jamestown? Did they, where did they settle? Like, did they fight in the revolutionary war? You know, those, those sorts of things. So I joined the monthly ancestry subscription where you get access to all of the records. And I started building out my tree. And then of course, at this point, I'm totally sucked into the marketing vortex of ancestry, right? Like they know, they know who I am, you know? So I'm like, every time I log on to ancestry to work on my family tree, I'm getting a pop-up offering their DNA test. Mm -hmm. I'm getting emails from them. Every time I go on social media, I'm seeing ads from ancestry about their DNA test. Like they were pushing hard, right. Mm -hmm. For me to take this DNA test. And, um, in the beginning, I resisted because I'm like, ah, no, I don't need to spend the money. I already took that 23andMe test. I already know what my ancestry is. I don't need to take their test too, right? Yep. As I was getting deeper into mapping out my family tree, I could see that on Ancestry, there's this nifty feature where 
if you have taken their DNA test, uh, you can see how you're connected to your living DNA matches through your ancestors in your tree, right? So you can kind of really see exactly how you how you match to somebody through what ancestor are you connected. And I thought that was really cool. So one day they gave me a screaming deal on a test <laughs> and I ordered it. And then it sat on my kitchen counter for like three months because I wasn't that eager to take the test, right? I'd already taken the 23andMe test and I um, kind of got into like a Marie Kondo decluttering organizational frenzy one day. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I have got to get this box off of my kitchen counter. So I finally took the Ancestry DNA test and sent it in, got my results back pretty quickly. And, you know, the first thing I did was I looked at the pie chart of my ancestry and it was pretty much the same thing as what I had seen on 23andMe. But then I clicked on my matches, my DNA matches. And this is where it gets interesting. (laughs) Um, At the very, very top of my list of matches was a woman whose name I didn't recognize. And she was classified, it said closest relative. And then underneath that, it said first cousin. And I'm like, ooh, okay, I don't know uh, who she is, but uh, maybe I did uncover a family secret. So I call my mom and I'm like, hey, do you know this name? By chance, does anybody in our family have a a child that we don't know about? Is there a family secret that I, I wasn't told? And she's like, no, I have no idea who that is. I've never heard that name before. And um, my mom has an older brother who's my only biological uncle. So um, I kind of was thinking when I first looked at this, that this woman might be his child. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom's like, no, I don't know. So at that point, I'm like, okay, this, this person is a cousin. If she reaches out to me and asks me to connect her with my family, I will help her. But I'm not going to reach out to her because I don't want to stir anything up. I don't know who she is and how, you know, I just don't want to be the instigator of any family drama that might come after this discovery, right? So I just kind of like let it sit for a while. But of course, like curiosity got the better of me. And one day I was in the Ancestry tool working on my tree and I went over and and clicked on this mystery cousin's record. And I actually opened up the full, her whole, her full profile, which I hadn't done before. And at the top, it said she could either be a first cousin, a half sister or an aunt. And then I was like, no, wait a minute. What? <laughs> right? Like that actually makes a difference to me. If I have a half sister, I want to know her. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's kind of a, a bigger deal to me for some reason. And so I'm like, I've got to figure out who this is. Uh, so I then tried to find her online and I couldn't find anything for her on Facebook. Thankfully, she had a very, very uncommon last name, very uncommon. Like I'd never heard this name before. So when I just did a, a straight Google search on her name, um, the first listing, the first search result that came up was like um, a Roderis listing. You know, it's kind of like a white pages page where they kind of list all the people in the U.S. with that name. Mm. And there were only two women in the United States with her first and last name. And they were both, it said they were both in their mid seventies. So at this point, I'm like, well, wait a minute, then she can't be a cousin or a half sister because she's basically the same age as my dad slash birth certificate father. Mm. And she's only maybe three or four years younger than my, my uncle. Uh, and my aunts and every, you know, like there's just, she can't be uh, a cousin. 
It's just that ages don't work out like that. So um, I the second listing that came up was her mother's obituary. So this woman's name is Linda, right? This mystery aunt. Now I've, I've figured out she must be an aunt. Um, her, her name is Linda. So I found her mother's obituary. And as we know, obituaries are a gold mine of information. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading her mother's obituary and it's like Columbus, 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 Columbus. And my mom was born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. And my, I have tons of extended family there. My grandparents born and raised in Ohio. I was born in Ohio. Although when I was little, we moved to Washington DC, which is my hometown. Um, but, uh, I'm like, this has to do with my mom and her side of the family, because my dad, who at this moment I thought was my my biological dad, he's from California, and his whole family lived here. He didn't have any family connections in Ohio. So I'm like this. So I called my mom right away. And I'm like, uh, I think this woman might be an aunt. And it's clear that she's from Ohio. So this is some connection to your family. You know, what's interesting about this is like, it didn't occur to me like any, I think anybody else at this point would say, Oh my God, maybe her brother is your father. Right. But I couldn't even think that I, that wasn't even in the menu of possibilities in my brain at this point, because I, I so believed that my dad was my dad. Right. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, I instantly went to thinking there must've been some funny business, a generation, two generations above me, like my grandparents or something. Right. That's, yeah. that's where I went in my head, but I didn't know how I couldn't figure it out. So I called my mom again and she knew I'd taken the, the DNA test because I'd called her before when I first found this, um, when I first found Linda and, um, I'm like, Hey, you know, I think this woman, um, has to be an aunt. And so, you know, and I, and I found her mom, her mom's obituary. So my mom is on the phone with me in real time. She's like, okay, why don't you read me the obituary? So I'm reading Linda's mom's obituary to my mom on the phone. And I get a paragraph or two in and my mom's like, oh my gosh, I know that family. They live, they live down the street from us. And, um, their son is my age. He and I were, went to school together. And I had a really huge crush on him when we were in high school. <laughs> she like yeah. punctuated with that. I'm like, huh, interesting. Again, didn't raise any suspicions. I'm, you know, not thinking at all that this, this boy, the younger sister of Linda could possibly be my father, you know, but my mom dropped a really big hint, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I, I continue reading the obituary tour and it's talking about the church that this family went to Um And my mom's like, oh my gosh, my parents went to that church too. So my mom comes up with this theory, which circumstantially made perfect sense that her parents and, you know, Linda's parents, they were all around the same age. They went to the same church. They were neighbors. So my mom comes up with this theory that her father, so my maternal grandfather must also be Linda's father. She comes up with a theory that her father must have had an affair with Linda's mother to produce Linda. Mm. So um, that was hard to hear because I, I loved my grandparents dearly. And the thought of my grandfather cheating on my grandma and having a child outside of their marriage and all of that and wondering like, did she know or whatever was a little, a little bit 
um, unnerving. But you know, all of them are they've all they're all gone. They've all pa- passed away, you know, decades ago. So you know, we'll never know. And I bought it. It made sense to me. Like circumstantially, it just made perfect sense. So I bought that theory. But as they say, the DNA does not lie, right? No. So I um, I thought I believed it. And then a few weeks later, I was back in Ancestry and I clicked on Linda's profile again. And what I noticed was that, so I had a number of other close matches who were like first cousins, once removed, second cousins on my on my mom's side of the family who I know in real life. Like I know their names and they, sh- they showed up as like my second, third and fourth closest matches basically. And they are direct descendants of my grandfather. And I could see that Linda did not share any DNA with them. There was no, mm. they didn't have any DNA in common. So I'm like, how could she be the daughter of my grandfather, yet his great granddaughter and uh, great nieces and nephews don't have any DNA in common with her. How is that possible? Right. Yeah. So I could see this, but I, I'm like, uh, I don't, am I looking at this wrong? You know, of course I instantly go to like questioning myself. Right. And whether or not I am, cause I don't really know what I'm doing here. Like I've never, uh, you know, done any kind of genealogy or looked at this before. It bothered me, but I honestly, I didn't have time to really dig deeper and figure it out. Right. Like, again, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I have an intense corporate job. I'm working from home. My two kids are at home a hundred percent of the time doing zoom school. And so like, I just can't, it bothered me, but I really didn't have time to like dig deep enough to figure it out. And uh, plus I didn't really know what I was doing either. I was kind of frustrated with what I was seeing. So I just let it sit. And I would, you know, I log for the next like six or eight weeks, I would, I'd log into Ancestry maybe once a week just to see if like a new match popped up or something that would like help explain what I was looking at. So come holiday season, and this is why I I guess I figured this out on December 24th, you know, heading into Christmas, I had two weeks off from work. My kids had school off, right? And I'm like, you know what? And we're home, like it's COVID. So we can't travel we don't have anybody visiting us. So what would normally be a very busy uh, few weeks were really quiet. It was just, you know, kind of me and my kids trying to make the most of it. But I had a, I had a lot of downtime. So I'm like, I am going to, this is going to be my project over the holidays because it's bugging me and I need to f- figure it out. And I'm going to just be like really methodical and I'm going to go in here and figure this shit out, right? So one of the things that I had not done yet is I really hadn't spent much time on my dad's side of the, of the tree, building out his family, which I thought it was my family at this point. So I, I started out and I spent a day or two really building out the, my dad slash birth certificate father's side of the tree. And, um, I was looking at like a very zoomed out view of my whole family tree one day. And one of the things I noticed is that there were little blue dots on every single ancestor on my mom's side of the tree. And there were no blue dots on my dad's side of the tree. And those little blue dots, what that means is that you have a DNA match who also has that person in their tree. So I'm looking at this thinking, how can I have a blue dot on every single ancestor on my mom's tree and no blue dots on my dad's side of the tree? How is that possible? Like, mm. it's, it's possible that nobody on his side of his family has ever taken a DNA test, but it's not probable, right? 
because I literally have thousands of DNA matches on my mom's side of the tree. So this is when, at this moment, it started to dawn on me that what I was looking at here, (laughs) that there might be a possibility that the man that raised me and whose name is on my birth certificate is not my actual biological father. I didn't know it for sure, but this is when I first, like, I could feel it. It was like, almost like my body was ahead of my brain in this moment. Like I started shaking, you know, how like little chihuahuas just sort of shake constantly. I just, at this moment, just started shaking. It was like, oh my God. Um, although my brain was still like not there yet. Um, so I then go into the, there's a, an area in the, in the ancestry site where you can just search through your DNA matches by name. So I'm frantically searching my matches by my, my dad's last name, which is still my name. So I guess my maiden name, um, I'm searching by my paternal grandmother's maiden name, my paternal great grandmother's maiden name, like any name I could remember from my dad's side of the tree. I am searching on those surnames and I couldn't find anybody in my matches with these names. So I was just like, started shaking more, (laughs) right? Like I just, I, I, I'm, I was just dumbfounded. So, but that's not like enough proof, right? You know, like it wasn't enough for me. So, um, this is when I started to like phone a friend, right? Like, thank God for my friends. Cause I have two really close friends and, I started texting with them and I'm like explaining this to them. And they're like, Oh my God, Oh my God, what's happening. You know? And they ended up kind of helping me through the next couple of days, figuring this out because I had a few moments where I'm like, am I losing my mind? Like, what am I looking at here? I I was doubting myself. I kind of slept on it that night, you know, after noticing the blue dots and noticing that nobody in my DNA matches had the names that they should have had. The next morning, right after I woke up, I remembered out of the blue, a conversation I had had with a cousin. So about three or four years ago, before COVID, my first cousin on my dad's side of the family came to visit me. Um, And she brought her daughter with her, who would be my first cousin once removed. And her daughter at the time was in college. And her daughter was telling me that she had taken a DNA test on ancestry. And she was telling me this because she discovered um, some stuff on the other side of her family tree that she didn't expect. And, uh, this was like a five minute conversation that we had had three or four years before. And it, it was interesting. And I didn't think, I haven't thought about it since then, but it popped into my head. And I remembered that my cousin's daughter had taken a DNA test and this is on my dad's birth certificate father's side of the family. So I went and looked her up. I did a member search in the tool and I found her. She also has an unusual, uncommon name. I found her and it said not a DNA match. So at that point, I'm like, oh my God, my dad isn't my dad. I mean, I was just like, I don't know. I I was just in such shock. I I mean, at that point, I didn't need any more proof other than knowing that my first cousin once removed on his side of the family is not showing up as a DNA match. That's kind of all the proof I needed. So... Uh, that, so it's like, I figured out that side of the equation. Like I figured out the dad side of the equation, meaning, you know, that's why this, that's, this isn't making sense. I need to go back over here and look at Linda again, because I think she's my aunt because probably one of her brothers is my father. (laughs) 
she has two brothers, Linda does. And um, I quickly figured out that one of her two brothers is actually too young to be my father. Um, he's only, he would have been like nine years old when I was conceived. Mm. So it had to be the brother that went to high school with my mom, who she said she had a crush on. (laughs) So, so now I'm like, okay, I went back to the obituary. I got his name. And so the man that I think is maybe my biological father, he has like the most common name you could ever have. It's like, it's like John Smith. That's not his name, but that's like how common it is. So I'm like, oh gosh, how am I going to find him? I got to see what he looks like. Um, but I figured, you know, my mom's on Facebook and um, there's a lot of alumni, like high school alumni stuff happening on her page a lot. Um, and so I, I thought, well, if he is on Facebook, he'll, I might be able to find him like through their alumni group. So I go on Facebook and I type in his very common name and he pops up and he is friggin' Facebook friends with my mom. Like they're Facebook friends. And I'm like, wow, that was easy and weird. So I click on his profile and, um, you know, it's obvious that he has, he doesn't use Facebook very frequently. Like I could see that he hadn't posted anything for like six years or something. Um, but he had a picture up and I, I'm looking at his face and it's actually a really close up picture of his face. And I'm like, I don't look like this guy. There's no way, you know, so I took a screenshot of his face, of his Facebook profile picture, and I texted it to one of my friends. And I'm like, I don't look like this guy, but I think this might be him. And she, she texted me back like five minutes later. And she's like, Stephanie, I've been sitting here staring at his face for five minutes. And he is absolutely your father. There is mm-hmm. no way that he looked, you look just like him. <laughs> You know, it's like, I didn't want to see it. He and I have very different eyes, like different eye color and different eye shape, but the whole rest of my face, like my nose, my mouth, the shape of my face, everything else looks like him. Mm. And I just knew it. I like, and again, back to my, like kind of knowing things in your body. I just kind of knew it when I looked at him, you know, um, I resisted it at first, but I was like, wow. Um, And then I could also see um, on his Facebook page where he works. Um, He's a college professor and I could see the name of the university where he works. So that made it really easy for me to find his contact information because I just Googled his name, his very common name and his university and like his, you know, his little professor page popped up with like a list of the classes he teaches and his office hours and his mobile phone number and his office phone number and his email and everything. It was like all right there. So at this point, I'm, you know, this is like, this is Christmas Eve and I have to kind of like keep my shit together for my kids. Right. Cause I'm in shock, but you know, we, we need to have a nice Christmas <laughs> and I'm, and I, I'm not going to tell them what's going on until I figure out what's really happening here. So, um, so we get up the next morning and we're like opening presents and everything. And my mom's calling me, like she keeps calling me like every 15 or 20 minutes because normally she would be here with us on Christmas. And because of COVID, she isn't. And she desperately wants to hear how things are going and did the kids like their presents and, you know, and I just could not answer the phone because I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know if I was going to like cry or scream or laugh or fall mute and not be able to speak. I, I'm, I just turned my phone off. And, um, my kids, dad and I are not together, but we're good friends. And um, the, usually the way we do Christmas is they have Christmas morning with me and we open presents. He comes over, we have brunch together, and then they go to his house in the afternoon for Christmas part two, 
which is awesome because that means I usually get like a quiet house on Christmas afternoon and I can like clean up and take a nap, you know? So, um, so I'm like, okay, you just got to make it through. And then this afternoon the kids will leave and then you can freak out. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so the kids, you know, we had a brunch, I made it through and I just, I just laid in the middle of the pile of wrapping paper in my living room and stared at the ceiling for like an hour after they left. Cause I just, I, I almost think like my nervous system was shot from like holding this in. And I just stared at the ceiling and like every thought that you could imagine was like racing through my mind. Like, what do I say to my mom? How do I confront her? Do I even want to reach out to my birth father or not? How do I tell my birth certificate father? You know, like all these things are running around in my head. Right. So I finally called my mom back that afternoon and I kind of gave myself a little pep talk before I called her. Cause I, I, I really love my mom and we've always been very close. Um, but I wasn't really sure how this was going to go. <laughs> and she knew I took the DNA test. So I was hoping that she maybe figured I would figure this out at some point, right? Like hopefully she was bracing herself. So I call her and, um, you know, I start out by telling her I love her and, you know, and I understand, like, I let her know. I'm like, <laughs> I let her know what I figured out. I'm like, I think this guy is actually my biological father, this, your friend from high school, not the man that raised me. And, um, I was like, look, I get it. I was 19 years old too. I certainly like had my party days and, um, you know, I, and I can only imagine what it was like to be 19 years old and not be married and become pregnant. Right. Um, I get that, but I need to know what happened. Like, what, what do you have to say? (laughs) And she just went straight into denial. Like it was weird. She, she sort of, she acknowledged that she believes the DNA tests are accurate and she believes in science. But at the same time, <clears throat> she was just flat out denying that she ever slept with the man that I thought was my birth father. She, you know that clip of Bill Clinton in like the late 90s when he was like doing a press conference or something during the Monica Lewinsky scandal? And he was like wagging his fingers going, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. You know, mm-hmm. that's pretty much what she sounded like. I did not ever sleep with him ever. And I'm like, well, okay, but you can't say you believe in the DNA and then say that you didn't sleep with them because the DNA is showing that he is my biological father. Like there's no other way to look at this. So I explained to her in painstaking detail how I figured this out. Like everything I just said here on this podcast in the last 20 minutes, I explained all of that to her. So she really understood like every which way you slice it, whether you look at it from, you know, my dad's side of the family or your side of the family, there's just no other explanation. And we just went in circles for like an hour and didn't get anywhere. So I'm like, look, why don't you go take a walk, confide in your husband or your sister or a friend or do what you need to do to process this. I'll do the same. And then call me back when you're ready to have like an honest conversation about this, whether it's in three hours, three days, three weeks, whatever. So when we got, I got off the phone with her, I was sort of doubting myself again. I'm like, oh my God, did I just accuse my mom of something that isn't true? Did I look at this wrong? And at this point, I had already gotten into the NPE friends group on Facebook and I had seen a post about the DNA angels. And I'm like, you know, I have to, before I go forward with this any further and push my mom or reach out to my birth father, um, I need to be a thousand percent sure that I'm right. So I reached out to the DNA angels and they were amazing. They, within an hour or two, they had somebody assigned to my case 
And um, probably within an hour of giving the DNA angel access to my information, she came back at me and she's like, yep, you did it right. You, you figured it out. She's like, any way you want to look at it. And she ran like three or four sort of models um, of possibilities. And she's like, there's basically no question that this woman, Linda, is a full aunt. And one of her brothers is your biological father. So that was a little bit like getting another gut punch because, you know, I had a pro- kind of a professional telling me that what I'd already found out, you know. So, um, so then I set out to create, uh, to write an email to send to my, my birth father. Um, and I probably spent hours writing what ended up being a very simple, like five sentence email. And, um, I just said, Hey, you know, I'm the daughter of so-and-so. And and I named my mom, you know, your old classmate from high school. And, uh, I took a DNA test and I have a lot of DNA in common with your sister. And I named his sister and I think you and I need to talk. And so he wrote me right back, like within an hour, he responded. Um, and he was like, lovely. He was like, it's nice to hear from you. I have fond memories of your mom and our childhood together. And I would be more than happy to talk to you. So we made a date to talk on January 1st, 2021. I don't know why I'm not normally a superstitious person, but I'm like, you know, 2020 has been so bizarre. Like, let's just kick off 2021 with our first phone call. So um, it was amazing. Like he and I had instant rapport on the phone. Um, and I told him my, about my discovery. And he said, you know, he told me everything, basically. He said, your mom and I were great friends all through childhood. And we traveled in the same circles, like in high school. And he said, you know, um, we weren't dating or anything. I, your mom and I went to a concert. He's like, one of the reasons I remember the night that we spent together was, um, we went to go to a concert and I, uh, the, the concert was Jose Feliciano and Led Zeppelin was opening the opening act because Mm -hmm. they hadn't really made it big yet. And he's like, I remember this concert because we were so blown away by Led Zeppelin. And then sure enough, the next year, Led Zeppelin really hit it big and they started playing like big stadiums. But this night that I was conceived, (laughs) um, they were still unknown really here in the US and they were the opening act and they were playing at like a really small venue somewhere in Ohio. Hmm. So um, his... uh, uh, my birth father's told, told all of his friends about me. And actually one of his friends found the concert poster from that tour that he's sending to me, (laughs) which is cute. (laughs) Um, anyway, um, but he's like, you know, your mom and I really just sort of had one night together and, um, we weren't dating or anything. And she was dating my dad, my birth certificate father. So my birth father remembered meeting my birth certificate father. They weren't friends, but they all kind of hung out in the same circles. So um, anyway, it was just one night. And, I, you know, they didn't really see each other after that. However, he said when I was about three or four years old, he ran into me and my mom at a donut shop. And he said, you know, being old friends from high school, he and my mom sat down and had a cup of coffee. And they hadn't seen each other for a few years. And I was running around like a three or four year old running around in this donut shop with, while they were having coffee. 
And he said, you know, I don't remember much from the late 60s and early 70s because, you know, those were his party days. But he's like, I remember being transfixed by you and thinking, oh, my God, that kid looks like my sister. But he didn't say anything to my mom and she didn't say anything to him. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So. And that was the one and only time he ever saw me. And he's like, you know, I, I had that strong intuitive hit, but you know, I just didn't say anything and neither did she, you know, and at that point it was, might've been for the best that nobody said anything because, you know, my mom was married to my dad at this point. I was attached to my dad, my birth certificate father, and it just would have blown up a lot of lives if they had tried to get, I don't even know if you could get to the bottom of it. I don't even know what paternity tests existed in 1973 or 74. So, um, so that was, you know, so when he got my email, um, he wasn't totally completely shocked and taken off guard. Right. Cause he, he remembered that time when he saw me in the donut shop and the, the feeling he got when he saw me. Um, So since then he and I have built an amazing relationship. He is He never had children. He's been married to the same woman for 45 years and he never had children. And uh, what makes me sad about this, he told me that his whole life he's had uh, friends and colleagues and students tell him that it's too bad he never had kids because he would have been the the greatest dad. And so it makes me sad that he, he, you know, he's only now getting that opportunity (laughs) 50 years in. Um, because I, I, now that I'm getting to know him, I think he really would have been an amazing dad. He's lovely. Um, and he's thrilled about this whole thing. He is thrilled to have a daughter and two grandchildren all of a sudden. Um, and so he and I've been, we talk all the time. Um, he, um, he, I, so I live in San Francisco. I live literally right smack in the middle of the city. And, um, I've lived here for 15 years and he has also lived in the Bay area, basically his whole adult life. So we've lived within an hour of each other, um, for the past 15 years. And, um, sadly last August, about, you know, four or five months before I made this discovery, his house burned down in one of the fires. He lived out in, on a ranch, about an hour and 15 minutes outside of San Francisco. And, you know, we've had a lot of really bad forest fires over the last few years here. And one of them burned his house down. Mm -hmm. And so just months before I figured this out, he and his wife moved a couple States over. So now he's about 15 hours drive away. Mm. So, um, but he came out in June, he drove out here and he met me and the kids and we spent, you know, a few days together and it was amazing. Um, and we talk all the time. I'm actually at this point closer to him, I think, than I am my mom or my birth certificate father. Um, and it's it's interesting because when I first made this discovery, I was so focused on like <clears throat> what features of mine look like his, like physically, like how do I resemble him and the rest of the family? But what's really blowing my mind is how much like him I am, like my personality. I mean, this is a man I've never met before. He's a complete stranger, but we are so alike personality wise and our interests and just like how we operate in the world is so similar. It's really, that's more mind blowing to me than the fact that I look like him. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that part of this is, is amazing. Um, and my aunt Linda, the one who, um, sort of like <laughs> was the key to all of this, she's been warm and welcoming as well. I mean, she sent me bunches of pictures and I've talked to her on the phone a few times and, you know, the whole family is just really thrilled about it. So I feel really, really grateful for that. I did call my birth certificate father and I don't know, maybe three or four weeks after I made this discovery and I, I, you know, told him and he's like, I already knew. And I'm like, what, what do you mean you already knew? You know, he, um, back in 2017, when I took that 23 and me test, I mentioned it to him and he said, well, how Swedish are you? And I was like, I don't know. And I looked it up and it said I was like 10% Swedish. But it also said I was like 30% broadly Northern European. So I didn't, I just didn't think that was weird. It didn't raise any red flags for me, but it did for him. And I didn't know this. He never told me this, but he actually went and talked to somebody like a genealogist and asked them. And he said, if I'm 50% Swedish, cause he's 50% Swedish would like, what percentage Swedish would uh, one of my children be? And they're like, well, probably 25%. At le- you know, if your daughter's only 10% Swedish, then she's probably not your biological child. So he kind of already figured this out and he didn't mm-hmm. say anything to me for four years. I'm like, what? So uh, <clears throat> he's like, oh, I figured you, you might've already figured this out yourself and you just didn't want to talk about it. And I'm like, wow, that just blew my mind. And I, I asked him, I said, well, did you, when I was a child, did you ever just stop and look at me and think, oh my God, this kid is so not mine. You know, he's like, no, I never did. I never, ever, ever questioned whether you were mine. Mm -hmm. So, and then he proceeded to say all the right things to me. He said, I, I love you. You're still my daughter. This changes nothing. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't. So yeah. So I'm in a really good place. I, I mean, I know I'm one of the f- the fortunate NPEs, you know, everybody's alive. I know exactly what happened. Um, I'm building a great relationship with my birth father and the rest of that, his family. My birth certificate father's cool about it. You know, he and my mom have been divorced for 30 years, so it's not like it's going to impact their marriage or anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm still a little, um, a bit of a, I'm at an impasse with my mom, right? She still can't kind of take responsibility for her part in this and she can't really come clean. You know, I think it's one of those things where she just told herself, it's like that quote, you know, there's like a famous quote and it's like, if you want to hide the truth, you need to hide it from yourself. Or if you want to keep a secret, you need to keep it from yourself. Mm -hmm. And I just think she's, she accepts all of this now. She knows that I've, you know, I'm, I'm talking to my birth father and that's going well. And it's just accepted as a fact that he is now, you know, he's my birth father, but I just don't think she's able yet. She's still sort of imprisoned in her um, original lie and she can't get out of it. So I've suggested a number of times to her that maybe she should go to therapy and kind of try to work through this on her own. And I still talk to her. I mean, you know, my kids adore her and I'm not going to cut her out of my life or anything, but um, you know, things aren't the same with her. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating that when you were about three or four years old, you actually briefly met your birth father in the, in the donut shop. I, I mean, know. just, oh, a lot of people don't have that. I mean, it, it sounds like he didn't know though at the time. that you I don't were. remember. I don't have any memory of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. He was just some guy, you know, <laughs> like, I don't, 
I didn't know. But, you know, he remembers it. So that's kind of special for him. You also mentioned the DNA Angels. I will make sure and put that reference in the Facebook group. They're mentioned frequently. This is a volunteer group. They help so many people for free, just as volunteers help figure out the centimorgans and the shared matches. And I will add that to the yeah. resource list. Now, they were that amazing. Easy? And like in my case, I really had already figured it out and they just helped yep. me validate what I was looking at before I went and started telling everybody. <laughs> you really did figure this out. I mean, that's the blue dots, the, the <laughs> yeah. family tree. Wow. Gosh. It's almost like you're able to slowly come into this information. I mean, it's just so shocking finding out something like this. It's so shocking. And you piece this together, it sounds like yourself. And then you just got confirmation from the DNA angels. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how how it worked out. I just kind of knew it in my body. Like when I, those few days that it took me to get to that point where I was, had a DNA angel confirming everything. I, you know, there's, um, I don't know. I just think there's like a knowing in our bodies, not to get too woo woo, but I, <laughs> I, I think I, I just knew it was true in my heart maybe. Um, yeah. Yes. I, this is that point where I nod along in the story. That's ex- stuff. That is exactly how I felt. I just, when I took my, cause I did 23 and me and then four months later, finally did ancestry. And as the results were coming, I'm like, I just kind of started to feel it. Like there was just a feeling in the body. You explain that perfectly. Yeah. 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 It's like, um, you know, the, I read Danny Shapiro's book inheritance, which I loved. And, um, mm-hmm. in that she talks about this, um, um, concept in psychology called the unthought known. And that really struck me as, uh, you know, the unthought known is basically that like you, you, you can know something kind of almost like at a cellular level or a soul mm-hmm. level, but you can't think it in your brain. Like it's just, it's not an available thought, but you just sort of know it. And that's, that's exactly what this all felt like, even though I didn't know. And I was shocked. I just think my body kind of, the good part of it is I felt almost like I became aligned when I figured this out, like in my, like at a cellular level, there was an alignment, you know? So Mm. You actually have some similarities with Danny Shapiro's story. I was thinking of Inheritance, the book. I'll put that in the notes as well. Mm -hmm. When you were talking, because you both have biological fathers that are professors and you both have, you sense like the mannerisms and you connected with, oh, you you know, you have the same, um, you used your own word, wordings, but you said you had similar mannerisms and way of speaking, connecting. And that's, that's how she felt when she first saw her biological father in I think yeah. versus in a YouTube video she saw him but yeah that's that's amazing the biology of it all amazing yeah Steph if people want to get in touch with you if they want to reach out to you could they do that how could they do that yes absolutely I mean I would love to connect with anybody that wants to talk um uh you can reach me on uh email uh I have an email it's uh I'll, I'll spell it it's G-E-N-R-E-L-A-T-I-O-N-A-L at gmail.com. So that's genrelational at gmail.com. I'll spell it again. G-E-N as in Nancy, R-E-L-A-T-I-O-N as in Nancy, A-L at gmail.com. 
I get it. Jenrelational at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And you said you really welcome, like you want to connect with other. And yeah. I mean, if people have questions about my story or they want to share their story and they just need somebody to listen, because <laughs> um, I think there's so much benefit in, um, in telling your story. Uh, you know, again, shout out to my friends who have listened to me <laughs> talk about this many, many times since the discovery. I think there's so much in that. So I'm happy to be a listener. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for taking time this afternoon to share this with me. And I will put in uh, Danny Shapiro's uh, referencing her book. I'll put the DNA angels. I'll put in your email address. Okay. And in any other references we talked about, but thank you for doing this today. Oh, well, thank you so much, Lily. I really am, was happy to be here. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.